hello, 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 and welcome to Canadian Made, the podcast that goes behind the scenes of the Canadian entertainment industry to uncover how things get made and the people who make them. Today, I'm joined by Samantha McAdam, an award-winning filmmaker who you might know from True Dating Stories or her short, soon-to-be feature called Prom Night. So in this interview, we go a lot of places. We talk about how she started writing because initially she was in a totally different part of the industry. You know, I think it can be really intimidating and really scary to make that switch within the industry, but she tells us exactly how she did it and it's an amazing story. She's become kind of a pitching wizard and she was very generous, generous enough to share secret tips and the secret sauce behind preparing for a good pitch and what needs to be in your package. You do not want to miss her tips. They are excellent. But beyond all of the interesting stories and fun tips that she shares, she's just the nicest human. She was so charming and so wonderful to speak to. So I am certain by the end of this interview, you are going to fall as in love with her as I did. So I won't delay it any further. Let's get into it with Samantha McAdam. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. um, (laughs) And talk about how you first found your way into the industry. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, as in, well, very first, okay, and uh, I'm going to give the Coles notes. So the first thing I ever did was acting. Same thing. I, I was like, I think as you as well, I was like, I want to try acting. And then I realized I had no talent <laughs> and I was had a horrible like um, stage fright. But I was really lucky that like the shows I got on, one was like Flash Forward with um, Ben Foster, who's like one of my all-time favorite actors. Uh, he he was in Hell and High Water. He's been in a million, million things, but, he's, but I was uh, with him on set as a background extra on this TV show. And he was so, I couldn't believe how great he was. I was like, I am not cut out for this. And then the next movie, I was still doing it for years just because I knew I wanted to be involved, but I didn't know how. And, and I was like a teenager, um, you know, when I was missing high school and I was on set with Joshua Jackson and James Marsden and Lena Horne, I think it's her name, the, the queen from uh, Game of Thrones and Kate Hudson. It was this movie called Gossip, which I don't think anybody has heard of, but I only know because I was in it uh, and had all these great stars. But again, I was like, I love this. I do not want to be an actor though, but I just kept doing it because I just wanted to go on set. But really like my first way in was editing um, in broadcast and and really like the times were so different back then that basically... You know, I think I always knew I wanted to write and direct, but I, I, no one was really, there was not a pathway. I mean, there still isn't a pathway, but especially back then being, you know, female as well, um, and being Guyanese, you know, woman of color, it's, yeah, it just, it was, it seemed like not a possibility. And, you know, I was thinking about this a lot because where my family came from, from Guyana, seeing all the stuff they went through, it's made me very grateful to be a part of the industry and be in Canada, period. But in a weird way, it's been a detriment because I kind of was like, I'm I'm lucky that I'm even here. I'm lucky I'm even in the broadcast 
environment to be happy editing, you know? And I, I do love editing and that's an amazing skill. It helps me with my pitching, which we'll get into later. Huge. But yeah, it was video editing. So I started at like Star TV, uh, working when uh, Moses Simer was at Chum Television. I feel like I'm a million years old. <laughs> but but yeah, that was my first way in and I loved it. I worked there for a few years. Uh, I remember I wasn't there for Electric Circus. I'm not that. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was too young. But I remember watching Electric Circus and then, you know, years later when I was working the building, I did love it. But yeah, I was video editing. I was editing anything um, I could get my hands on, basically. <laughs> and then what was the moment that you decided to take, to risk the starting to write and direct? And yeah. you thought, okay, this is, I got to make the switch. When was that? You know, it's it's so funny. I know the exact moment and it was in my bathroom, which is odd, but I was sneaking away. It was I was on mat leave with my daughter. I just put her down and it was been brewing in me for years. I was writing for years, but I never had the courage to actually, I just didn't think I was good enough. And I, didn't, I still did at that time, there was not a lot of female writer directors there still isn't but back then there was like none so I just didn't think it was possible but I remember I put my daughter down for a nap and I was jumping into the bathtub for like a luxurious like 10 minute nap which was amazing at that time when you know when you're on Mali she was like she was about three months old and um, my husband at the time mentioned at his work that they were doing an open call for a movie that they were looking for people to write uh, the third nut job uh, it's called the nut job has Will Arnett and Maya Rudolph to write the third one and I remember in the tub in hearing my daughter stir and I got so frustrated um because I just felt trapped and I was like what what am I frustrated about I'm not I, I enjoy being a mom but it's it was my career and it's like I could have gotten a nine to five job at an amazing broadcast company that I love the people at but I was like I'm gonna be bitter if I, if I don't do this. And then also I thought of my, my daughter and I was like, I need to go for my dream so I can tell her wholeheartedly she could do it too. And that was the truth. I have a really hard time. I'm not a good liar. I really am not. And I just realized like, I, I wouldn't be able to really, uh, you know, be happy and also support my daughter and her dreams if I don't at least try for mine. So then I was on mat leave, still healing all the good stuff from giving birth. <laughs> yeah. And then I was so, I was getting so grumpy, but I really enjoyed every night I would write this outline. You know, my husband read it over and, uh, but it was all me, you know, I just, he gave me some notes, but it was all actually my writing on the keypad, which was a big deal to me to put that out there. And then it won. And we got a little bit of money and they took the story and now it's in, finally it's in development, but I, I have no idea what they took from it. I bought a uh, treadmill, which I never, I used like a whopping three times, but the big thing in the living room was like a reminder to me over the months, like, look what my imagination bought. And I'm like, this shows me there, I could do this, you know, as a career. Right. And that, that was a jumping off point. So yeah, I was on mat leave, putting my daughter to sleep. And I just was like, I don't want to be a frustrated mommy. I don't want to be 10 years down the line, you know, financially comfortable nine to five for sure. That was like a kind of a guaranteed path, but I just knew I might be horribly unhappy and you know, that's not good for my family. So yeah, that was the switch. Wow. That was one of the most incredibly inspiring stories. I think or origin <laughs> stories that I've heard. And long I think, <laughs> no, yeah. no, not at all. Um, I think that, you know, imposter syndrome has become more of a buzz term now, yeah. but I remember so many points in my life where I felt it so deeply and felt like 
nobody can possibly understand what I'm going through right now. And it's so encouraging. And I hope other people are encouraged. I mean, you're, you know, so talented, so beautiful. And you seem like you have it so together and to hear that you struggled too. It's, it's really, it's so, I know it's not, I don't want to say comforting. Cause I, I don't ever hope for somebody no, else it, to struggle. It is, though. But, <laughs> it is total comfort. No, I, it, you know, this, this person's really controversial, Howard Stern, but I got to be honest for years. I, I would, just listen to his interviews because he really got to the nitty gritty and he would make like, you would hear Night Shyamala cry and like, you know, about his movie flopping. And that for me was so comforting, which is the weirdest thing to say, but to see these like giant success people struggled, um, that stuff for me is in a weird way, a motivator because, you know, you think it's just you, like you think it's just me. I'm a, I'm a loser. What am I doing? You know, I'm not going to be a success. Like, but when you hear these giants who went through it, and that's the one thing with media that I love that's like really changed over the years. Cause you know, back in the day, we didn't have access to the stars. We didn't have interviews like this. So you just saw them on TV and you're like, Oh, their life is wonderful. And you know, but now when you get to see behind the curtain, for me, it's a lot of, it's really inspiring. Cause I'm like, if Kevin Hart felt like shit at one point, you know, then, then that, like, you know what I mean? There's hope for me. <laughs> you know? so, yeah, <laughs> Exactly. So you made this prom night series, you win a competition. So mm-hmm. now what's the next step yes. for you in getting it made? Yes. And I have to slip in. I made that on mat leave again around my daughter's bedtime and shot it in my living room. And I wrote it and edited it myself as well. <laughs> so, so again, I was like, if it's going to flop, it's going to flop on my terms. Cause this is me, but like, it's all me, but uh, no. And um, so what was the next step? Okay. So it's convoluted. So I'm going to condense it, but basically it was like a bit of a stop and go because I had another child in between there. <laughs> and also I'll be honest with you. It, the short did so well that, you know, I met Kevin Hart. I met his, his people and, you know, they invited me to pitch the feature and I'm like, filmmaking is easy, but uh, like I never had written a script before. So it, so the next step was writing the script and I had no management. I had no idea about any of that stuff. So pretty soon after I got pregnant and then um, it was high risk and I was hospitalized and I actually wrote the final draft in the uh, hospital because I was going, yeah, but the nurses were like, what's this girl doing? But I was, I was, you know what? It was so depressing and uh, I needed like a positive world to jump into. But um, yeah, so the next step after that was to write the feature script, which I didn't have ready. I, I really did not think that that quickly it has access to these people. Um, so yeah, I wrote the, the, the feature script over the year. And then um, very quickly before COVID, I had a deal in place after I got my first agent with a um, very high level producer who produced Valkyrie and Starsky and Hutch. And they were lovely to me. They're American. And I was going to go uh, do rewrites and we were going to take it to Netflix. But the thing is, they didn't want me to direct. And I didn't care. I was like, this guy's worked with Vince Vaughn. He's worked, I don't, I'm doing this. this. Filmmaking is easy. But then, <laughs> but then COVID hit and I couldn't travel. I couldn't leave my family. And, and at first I was so bummed out by it. But it was amazing because uh, through the year, I, I 
that was the first person that ever really got my script besides even before Kevin Hart's people, it was just someone we had a line to, we sent it to them. And then, um, you know, at that point I wasn't sure, honestly, if I wanted to direct, because again, I just didn't think it was a possibility. I knew that I loved it, but I was just like, no one's going to give me a film to direct. Like that was my way of thinking. And then honestly, the movement, there was such a huge change in the industry. This is like, this is 2020. Um, that I was like, you know what? I don't think I should give this up, right? So, and then I got into Toronto uh, International Film Festival, a uh, big pitch event with my script. It was Showcase, A Caribbean Tales, a whole bunch, Netflix Banff. Like I got into all these um, initiatives and I was really lucky that I got into one, which was a um, with Jennifer Morrison, who is a director from Euphoria and she's an actress as well. And uh, Bronze Studios was also there, Ashley Levenstein. And they spoke to us about pitching. And also, again, just seeing two women and seeing Jennifer, who uh, was so down to earth and we got a day with her, which was amazing. And she, she showed us how she pitched herself as a new director. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to hold on to this. And I was lucky enough that I ended up pitching um, about a couple months later. I pitched Heartbeat Productions, finally went back. This is like a year and a half after or maybe even two years after the competition. And I pin, I pitched them and uh, it was Carly Haney who is producing Monopoly, that little, you know, small film. And she did Fatherhood. And basically the feedback she gave me was the script was excellent. And, um, but in order for me to direct it, I have to build my credits. And, you know, no brainer, but to me, who first time in the business, I was like, it's a good script, you'll hire me, right? But then I was like, oh, you need to see more. So that's exactly what I did. I, I kind of took it back and then I started building my credits and I've directed on a few uh, series now that are coming out soon and just honing my craft and honing the script. And I have to say too, I was very lucky that I did a uh, I did a ton of mentorships just to meet people because I knew nobody. Like I ha- I was not a film film school student. Like I didn't go to CFC. Um, I was not hooked up with anyone. So everyone I met, I had to just cold email. Even Jerry D to get him in. I found his email. <laughs> not found. I looked it up a certain way and just cold emailed him. You know, I didn't know anyone. So I was lucky enough that I met uh, amazing man, showrunner, writer, director. Just a super awesome dude named Kurt Smeaton, who has a show on called Children Ruin Everything, which is fantastic. He read uh, Prom Night. He, he watched Prom Night. And I was lucky enough that he was so gracious with his time that he gave me story notes. He'll say he did nothing. I feel he did like so much to help with the structure. So I really was just taking that time, sitting on my script, but working on it, writing it, writing it, writing it, you know, and going back and forth with Kirk a few times and building up my directing credits. And then, um, one company I filmed, and this is when we were talking about struggling and having it together, this moment came to mind. There was a film that came out called Blockers, which was is, is on the surface, very similar to Prom Night. When I saw the article, I went right to the wine rack and I'm not a trigger and I grabbed some wine and I said to my husband, well, there goes prom night. And I started drinking my wine, but you know, that was years ago. And I, I finally like faced my fears and I pitched point great um, pictures, which is Seth Rogen's company. And they made blockers. The executive read it, said it was a great script not he was similar to blockers but very different in tone and in story which it is and he said 
they're interested in the script, but not in me. Uh, but <laughs> basically at the time, cause I didn't direct anything. So I'm like, that's fair. You know, I've, I mean, when I say that I was directing for years, but until you've directed your first feature or at that time or a couple series, no one's going to look at you right in the beginning, which is fair enough because I had no idea about insurance and about how much, you know, getting people to invest in you. I didn't understand any of that. But again, um, for me, it was like fuel to my fire. If they're saying to me, it's different enough and they like the script and they would be interested in the script, but not me. I was like, when? <laughs> but, but again, I was like, let me just, this is like a couple of years ago. I'm like, let me just sit on it and uh, keep building. So right now it's funny. I, we literally just yesterday, um, sent out my agents sent out the script to some people and there are a few Canadian good at, like you know names that are interested and like what's what's phenomenal about my new management team is I had no idea about you know you're so busy writing and directing you need a team like I realized I was doing things on my own and I was getting there fast but I want to go far and you need a team because the management team I have now is like Telefilm, they have a huge push, a huge mandate for females uh, like to, to work with female directors. I had no idea. You know, like you're so, like just writing is hard enough. And especially if you have a family and in COVID times, everybody is struggling. So you don't have time to really be looking down these avenues. Like that's why you need a producer. That's why, you know, you need a good management team that'll help you. And thankfully, I have that now in place. And yeah, they just told me, like, now is such a good time for female writer and directors and telefilm, especially, you know, I think it's, they're mandated to have 50% of their grant funding to go towards females. I believe, I don't, don't quote me, but I'm, I think that's what they were saying. So it is a great time. And yeah, so right now, right now, as of yesterday, I got an email saying there's a particular actor who's, who's interested and which is great. And it's someone like that I, everybody knows. And I'm like, yay. So we'll, we'll see like very, very early still, but I'm, happy that promise is like it, you know it, they say your first film takes 10 years and that is so depressing but it is true but it doesn't mean you're not doing anything else in the meantime and it's not quite 10 years let me just say and I had two kids so I always give myself an extra at least three years if you are baking children because it knocks you out I was in a, like I was hospitalized in a wheelchair like I needed like physio you know I give myself a little grace than the average bear but um but yeah so right now it's it's like I'm I knock on wood where I want to put it out there in the universe I think in the next year it should be in production on some level hopefully if everything pans out but yeah so right now we're currently talking with actors and looking for producing partners um and it's great like it's gotten a ton of the script has gotten like so much love that I'm very confident and you know what I think too right now um I'm also working a thriller horror which I, I love but you know it's such a dark time that I really feel like this is a really good time to do this bold comedy. And again, what I love about it, people are like, why are you writing about dads? Because prom night's about three dads who find a pregnancy test and the night of their kid's prom and they go on a mission to find out which one of the teenagers is pregnant. You see, I said that like a million times. But but people are like, you know, why? I got like, why dads? And I'm like, well, why not dads? Like John Hughes like a, is like a major, you know, inspiration of mine. And, and or, but not just John Hughes, there's been, countless films of men doing coming of age stories about women and little and young women like you know and girls so it's like why can't I write about dads in this vein but but now it's amazing because now you know a year ago when I was talking about this I can name a few but now there's even so much more female comedy directors I can I can name you know and writer directors that are coming out there I, I still have a really hard time naming one 
writer director that's female that did this kind of bold mainstream comedy they've either directed or they've written but not both so i hope to be the first on this scale and and in this tone you know it's like people say bro comedy like i love step brothers like that's like that's I mean, it's not that crazy or that amazing i would never go near adam mckay like he's my idol but um but like i love his his comedies i think they're so fun and i think right now I really want that myself. Like I want an escape. I hope to be the first to get off the ground. And I, and I really do truly hope to be an example to other females that, that are like me that, you know, have this voice in front of them and this type of bold comedy. And, you know, there's just no examples of front in front of us who's done it yet, but it's definitely changing. And I think it, I think it will happen in the next year, dare I say. <laughs> I agree. And even, even me I, in the movies that we've been doing recently, I've seen a ton of female directors and it's really exciting as a female. <laughs> so I want to get into the art of pitching with you, mm-hmm. but just before I do, I have to pick up on something that you said. Yes. You said that you wanted to start directing and it seemed to happen so easily for you. Um, obviously you had this ah. great script that, <laughs> under your belt, but can you talk about that first job or how you got that first job? Was it your team? Was it that you reached out to somebody? What was, how did you actually get that first step? Right. Commercial or TV series? Anything. Just that first directing job. Okay. First directing job. Oh my God. What was my first uh, promos? Uh, that I guess was my officially first one. So um, Story Masters was this corporate company and I came in again as a producer and I really was more of a producer assistant. And again, that was a typical female role. The owners were lovely. And uh, Randy was uh, my boss at the time, uh, Will Gard, who, who, had a background in the ad industry, but he was lovely, but also he's very empowering to women as well. Because at that time, it sounds crazy, but I was around a lot of um, different advertising companies and post house. And again, women were not considered for directing, but there was um, an opportunity where it was David Suzuki. He was doing a live event and it was kind of an, an, a crazy event where uh, celebrities were walking the red carpet and someone needed to direct and edit it live. And because I was the, you know, his, I, get, I was basically the only person in the office <laughs> that was available on the time frame to do it. Um, and he had faith in me. And so he put me up to do it. And um, so basically it was a live event where I had to interview Russell Peters and um, Olivia Newton-John. And we had to edit it in, in the same night. But I kind of got the opportunity because he believed, I believe, I believe in my organization. And also I did kind of sort of know Russell Peters and he did remember me on the carpet. So I was like amazing. Like years ago, I used to work at Much Music, so I would see, I used to work reception. So I would see a lot of celebrities come back and forth, and he was one of the ones who were always so lovely. Um, and when I saw him on the red carpet, I was shitting myself because I was like, and there was George Stropolopoulos. I was like, oh my God. First of all, I'm directing. I'm directing on a red carpet. I'm with E-Talk and, and all these fully like seasoned people. And who am I like holding a mic? Uh, super nervous. And I love Greece love Greece. So I was like, Oh my God, there's Sandy. But, uh, yeah, pulled it off. You know, I just fake it till you make it. And, um, he gave me the opportunity. I was like, I can do this. And I just really focused on what we had to get from them. And it wasn't, it, it was semi-scripted, you know, there's a couple of things I needed to get from them and we knew how to, we had to piece together, but it was so busy that I was just focused on, I got to get them, get the soundbite and get out. And my years of being an editor 
I, you know, for years I was angry at myself. Like, why, why did I spend so long editing when I knew I wanted to direct? But um, I'm so happy because editing is the best tool you could have as an editor and with pitching, huge. Um, but so, yeah, I just knew when I was speaking to them, I was, could almost see the, the post, how we were going to cut it together. And that's what I was really focused on. And my nerves went away. And yeah, that was my first time ever directing a, a shoot. Mm-hmm. That's such an interesting story. And I do find it so funny. Everyone I talk to, every step of their journey, no matter how insignificant it might seem at that moment, it all comes together. And I, it's really mm-hmm. encouraging. And it, it just goes to show like wherever you are, you have to give it 110% because it's probably going to re- ream uh, dividends. And you already mentioned that your video editing is really important to your pitching. So mm-hmm. can you talk us through how you prepare for a pitch? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What you need to get together. Okay. So uh, first let's say I have done a bazillion sessions online and I still recommend them, number one, but you don't have to, it's, and a lot of them are cheap or free, just FYI. But how I prepare for a pitch. So it depends. Like, there's a basic template that I always follow. And, and this is like very easily found online uh, because they're all, it's all kind of the same. It, like, see, I'm just trying to break it down because if I'm pitching a series, it is different than pitching a commercial. So I'm just wondering which, or pitching a film. Like they're all similar, but they are different ways to attack it. Let's go for film okay. for because then you can talk about uh, prom night and things like that. Yeah. So for anything that I do when I'm pitching, for me, my personal thing I, I put a lot of time into is the lookbook. And like some people say like, Um, they like it or don't like it, but the lookbook for me is everything because you don't know who you're pitching and people are busy. I'm so busy that I always think if they have two seconds to put their eyes on something, what's going to make their eyes stick. So yes, there's a basic template where you have to have, you know, your intro, your log line saying what this is, uh, what the movie's about. Here's the characters getting into a little bit more of the story. Here's where it could be filmed. This is the color, like the basic stuff. But for me, the number one thing is putting it together in a package that someone could glance at and it'll grab their attention because I always think people are busy you know what's going to make them look so for me the number one thing is I make it look very appealing visually and I think that's what's kind of crazy because even these high level pitches you see aren't sometimes that polished looking they look kind of you know not super sleek but I try to make it look as good as possible and 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 I'm doing it at home you know when my kids go to sleep or before now you know I'm the luxury that I'm doing it now during the day I don't have to sneak it in but um there's so many apps out there that you could really make it look very stunning and the, the main thing is is to communicate your tone and really sell the idea because when you're pitching to people some people are creative and they will get it some people, and it's no like shade on anyone. I have really good friends, but like, they're just not, you know, creative thinkers or visual. So when you say something, if you say it's, uh, you know, it's stepbrothers meets labyrinth, I don't know. Like, they'll be like, what movie is like, so it's, if you just put it kind of out there visually, it's like a foolproof way to get your vision across. I don't know what that movie would be. It's just like, that's what pictures are on my, on my wall. <laughs> but, um, but like, it's a foolproof way to sell your idea and get their attention. So the visual look, like I'm talking about, like the fonts, the colors I use and what I do, my, my two secrets, which I will tell you because I was told by Jennifer Morrison and I, that day was life-changing when she talked about pitching is the things I do. I always put in a video, which is hard for a lot of people to do. I'm very lucky because I 
was an editor. So I always make a fake trailer and it served me so well. Like with prom night, it got me a 50,000 grant with my, my thriller that I just did. It got me 45,000. I mean, not just alone, but I really think it helps because if you can make a fake trailer, like for prom night, I, I set it to queen Bohemian Rhapsody. So you get like a vibe and it's only a minute watch. It's not a lot to ask of people. For Harriet, I sat it. I set it to Nine Inch Nails. Again, it's like a minute thirty. Not a long watch. And in that, I, I tell the whole story, and I give a vibe of what the tone is. And it's it's so much better than saying it's a psychological thriller with a twist of da da. You know. But if you just if you play it, you get the movie right away when you watch it, like a movie trailer, right? So that's what I always do. Uh, and also, um, when it makes sense uh, for prom night, this was a trick by Jennifer Morrison, not my thinking, uh, but amazing, is I put in like playlists. So th- I have three dads. So I have like, you know, the, I'll just to t- talk about the characters. So I have like uh, Spotify. I hook it up to Spotify. It's like Paul's songs to make love to. That's just the single guy. <laughs> or, you know, Vince, like there's other characters, like a Vince Vaughn kind of character. It's like, uh, you know, we're, uh, how to, how to, how what's it called? How to encourage your team at work or, or something like that. And then like Will, Will Ferrell kind of character is like kind of like, this dad is like kind of out of shape and, and, but he's trying to get back into shape. And it's like, when I'm working out so hard and my balls are sweating or something like that, when you click it, it's like all Britney Spears. So it's like just another way to infuse comedy. And like the, the, the CEO guy is like all Bon Jovi. And then like the sensitive guy, it's like boys to men, I'll make love to you and the bodyguard and all these, all these cheeses. So it's like, it's a cute way to do something different. Plus like makes the characters feel alive. And yeah, it's a small thing, but it's just like, it, it elevates your lookbook. And I think the lookbook is so huge because when you get two minutes or, or five minutes in the room and you leave them, that's what they have. Same thing too, when you, if you were lucky, you know, lucky enough that I got myself some stuff green lit when I was on TV, on TV shows, especially um, because things are so busy, you know, that document gets sent out to every department. So it's, again, when you are working, it's the most amazing thing and it makes things a lot easier because even if you had a disconnect, you know, especially during COVID time, sometimes there's new people coming in and out, they can look at it and they know, um, this is what she wants from wardrobe. Here's the look and feel. This is like, like it really, really helps sell your vision across the board when you're not available to talk to people as well. But yeah, so the main, the main number one thing is the lookbook. And even before like it sounds crazy, but even before a lot of heavy copy, like this, yes, you want to have a synopsis, but really it's like to get your foot in the door, log line, a brief synopsis, and then it's all the lookbook for me. That's such good advice. And I completely agree with you. Not that I'm <laughs> a creative pitching, but when we get a set of, you know, script and the first thing I'll look at is the lookbook because hmm. it, right away you get the vibe, mm-hmm. especially when it's done well. And I think it's such a good advice and, and being conscious of other people's time, I think is, is never a, a bad thing to do because mm. I'm, you know, these people get just inundated and yes. not everybody wants to sit and read. And if you give them something visual, it's immediate, isn't it? The reaction that they can get. Yep. 100%. And like, I'm not a reader. <laughs> just like, I, it's so hard for me to read. Like even Stephen King, I have the books, got the audiobooks. but, um, and, and you know, people are just so busy, right? Yeah. That's the number one thing. So I, 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 even when I had no management, I was starting off with prom night and I'd say, you know, he, attached is a script, which I would never recommend setting a script again, but, but it was like attached to script. Or if you don't have time, here's a 10 minute proof of, of concept, have no time. Here's a minute trailer, you know, like, so that's how I would get them. 
um, looking at it, you know, and I'm lucky because I did spend 10 years of my life uh, easily. And I still am. It's way more than 10 years now editing. I'm still going to edit my horror film as well. Um, But it's such a good tool to have in your back pocket because you can make, like I used to do trailers. I worked for Cineplex. I worked for, you know, um, every single broadcast company in Canada. You were Cameron Diaz from The Holiday. Exactly. And I was like, I wish, I wish Cameron Diaz, like, she's like, that's why they paid me the big bucks. I'm like, nah, you, you get all right. You do all right. But uh, yeah, that's exactly what it was. I loved what my movie says. I was like, that's what I do. <laughs> but no, it's the best thing. You know, it's, it's, it, editing is the best skill to have as a director. Like, so, you know, even when you are trying to make your way up to being a director or writer, if you can get some editing jobs, even if it's corporate videos, take it because it's a great skill. Mm-hmm. That's so great. You've given so many great tips and tricks and you've been so generous with your information and I appreciate it so much. And I hope that, I hope that you've inspired so many people because you've inspired me and I have no uh, directing or writing ambitions. Hmm. I want to know what Canadian content right now you are watching or something that's really stuck with you in the last kind of couple of years. Canadian content. Well, definitely children ruin everything. Like I am obviously I, I love Kurt Smeen, so I am biased, but seriously, bias is a part. It is such a good show. And what I love about it too is um, you know, it's fresh and it's I hate the word non-apologetic. I hate saying that, but but it's bold, which I like because I find a lot of some some Canadian stuff, uh, you know, feels in, in, in past years feels very Canadian in the sense of like, we're very careful, right? But it's changing, which is great now, you know, like things on TV, we're getting bold and brave. And yeah, I think that's just a really good example. And I love it too, because it's just highlighting, um, you know, how much good comedy and comedians we have in Canada. Mm-hmm. Children, everything for sure. I mean, what stays with me, what's been on my mind is crazy, which I, you know, the Canadian film, which we all, because of the tragedy that happened. Oh, Yellow Jackets. I don't know how much of that is, it's filmed in Canada, right? And you know what? I didn't know that. Yes. Well, Deepa Menta. Um, of course, is prolific. Yeah. She directed on it. And Actually, what's really interesting to me, again, I'm studying, I study pitches almost a little bit serial killer-ish. Like I'm like on the internet looking at things. But with Yellow Jacket, in one description, it says that they, the plane crashed in northern Ontario. But then in the actual crave description, it just says plane crash. So it's like interesting they took out Ontario. But yeah, mm-hmm. Yellow Jacket's huge because I'm writing something very similar. Um, and again, it's really inspiring to see that production value, those, that cast and it's Canadian connection. Um, so yellow jackets for sure. Is that a good enough answer? <laughs> like, no, that's, that's perfect. Yeah. No, no, no. You've, you've over-delivered. So don't even worry. <laughs> <laughs> Where can people keep up with your journey? And you have a couple of exciting things happening right now. Yeah. So people are going to want to see what's next. I especially am so, we've really hyped up prom night in a way that I feel really excited about. So I want to keep up with the journey. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. No, I think, you know, it sounds like, uh, cheesy but for now I just kind of do Instagram like I try to keep it more work-wise and I'm Samantha Pistano McAdam I put Pistano in because McAdam is my husband's lovely last name which I love but it's funny because I'm I'm Guyanese and like yeah I just like I'm like I don't know just you know McAdam they think it's like I'm Scottish or something so I like to put in my maiden name but I'm I'm like just so happy what's going on with female directors and I just feel like it's great because you can be your authentic self so I was like I'm gonna 
putting my maiden name on my Instagram. But yeah, Instagram, I think is probably the best place that I like update my stuff on. And I'm horrible at social media. Like I hate it. I hate posting it. I also feel like who cares like about what I'm doing? <laughs> but, uh, but you know what? It's, it's also like, it's, that's the best way I love to connect with people. Like I've met so many people through social media that I actually am friends with now um, and that we, you know, we share similar journeys too. So yeah, definitely social media. Yeah. And, and in terms of plugging, like, yeah, right now, um, I'm just really excited because I'm hopefully will be breaking into more episodic work. I directed uh, two CBC gem series that are coming out and I'm trying to get into like a more uh, longer comedies um on the cbc market on the uh, sorry canadian market right now and but yeah but the two big things is prom night so yeah we have prom night we're looking for producing partners uh it's very exciting uh you know before a couple of years ago they'd say oh you could never get a million you know for your first film but let me tell you especially being female which is amazing you can like telefilm has pathways that are available and you know it's amazing yeah so to prom night I'm definitely we're hardcore pitching it's a time we need to laugh it's a time to have this kind of bold comedy but like with my brand of humor which is a female you know perspective which I think you know there's a lot of females out there who love comedy so I think it's gonna do it's gonna do well the script is super fun and yeah we just kind of find the right producing partners we're looking for producing partners and obviously lead actors which is like just fun 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 and just I'm so happy to be involved and then the next thing we're working on is pitching the thriller horror which is a total different spectrum thank god for jordan peele because he's like my example i use i'm like just think of me as the next female jordan peele setting the bar real low but <laughs> no but he does you know comedy and horror it, he's a perfect example you know again years ago you'd have to do one or the other but that's really where i'd love to be in a couple of years to come but yeah so pitch and prom pitch and prom night anyone who wants to do it and really don't let the name fool you it's really about the dads who are like coming of age it's like really like a more of an old fart story not these young teenagers running around but I love those stuff like I love those stories that are for parents and I think now more than ever parents or people you know at that age it's been it's been we've had a really rough go with COVID and like let's let's laugh right so that's that's what I want to plug <laughs> I I love that and I think it's so interesting how you're paving new pastures and and doing everything maybe that feel it, that has been done before, but now we're adding a new twist. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so exciting. And I'm, I cannot wait to see what, uh, what the next year, five years, 10 years bring for you. Thank you. Me too. I'm excited. I'm like, I'm like, I feel like I'm so close there, but you know, it, it's great. You blink and then you're like, oh yeah, I did. I have been doing that for this long or this long. In a weird way, it does feel like, oh, all of a sudden I'm doing this, but it's like, you've been, you know, directing it's, it's, and it's, um, skill set you know it's funny because people are like oh have you directed a feature before have you directed a one-hour comedy before sitcom a single camera like it's so detailed but what, what's amazing now is the lines are blurring a little bit more that if you have directed a few series they will look at you for a movie of the week now like before it's like it's a catch-22 okay we'll hire you for a movie of the week which movie of the week have you directed yet it's like well None, <laughs> but it's changing. It's changing and it's a really exciting time um, for filmmakers. We have a long way to go, of course, but it's a great time for females. And years ago, I, I can't tell you, it was not even on my radar. So I'm just happy that to be part of it and hopefully, yeah, like let other people know uh, it's change is happening. It is. And uh, don't give up on your dreams as cheesy as it sounds. <laughs> 
I, I love that. That's such a great way to end. So thank you so much for your time. This has been thank so you. wonderful. So nice to meet you. And honestly, I love the podcast. It's like, you know, I'm like, I want it to be like playback for me was such a huge like staple. And when I got plucked, I was like, oh, um, you know, because it was, I used to read it like back in the day, the hard copy, but like, and I feel like this podcast could be the next like playback staple. Like it's really good. And honestly, I love the behind the scene nuggets you pull out, especially being a filmmaker. But like I said, like even the, the interview with Kristen, it just applies to so many different jobs and industry and people's self-worth like it's a really it's really interesting it's a human nature side i love so keep it up <laughs> oh thank you so much June. that's so that was great <laughs> thank you so much and and i can't wait to have you back when prominent actually comes out and oh, I'd you love give it. us the yeah. behind the scenes tea so yeah we'll stay tuned Hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please rate and review the show. It really supports the podcast. Also, throw us a follow on Instagram at Canadian Made Podcast. Until then, we will see you next Wednesday.